Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway. 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Wednesday is here and Chad, that means primary complaint today. 45 minutes away from that. Uh, Coming up in 20 minutes, Bobby Carpenter will join us. Time to talk some college football headlines. Plenty going into October. Bobby joins us to talk all things Power 5 straight ahead. And uh, a bit later, an hour from now, Dan Dockich. He makes a glorious return. Has it been two months since Dan's joined us? It's been a while. You know, Dan has been much more active in having us on his show. I joined both. Don't at me and his radio show in Indy this week in back-to-back days. So this being Titans Colts week, pivotal week in the AFC South, which Dan follows closely, we thought to ourselves, Hutton, now is the time to get Dan Dockage back on the show. It's been too long. It, it, It has been. We, we also will, we got, we got tired of bothering him at his lake house. I, he would join us, you know, from his cabana on a boat. You know, we never knew quite where we were going to get Dan, so we backed away from annoying him too much. That's why we've had the delay. I'm looking forward to uh, to him joining us because I'm going to ask him right off the top, and go ahead and text him, Davey, uh, if if you want to. Who has underachieved more, the Titans or the Colts, to this point? Based, oh, I, on, I, based on expectation. I don't think he even needs any uh, preparation for that. I think he'll be locked and loaded and because ready to I, go with a great answer. Because whenever he brings the uh, brings up the Colts, I, I will show him the Titans <laughs> and, uh, and say I disagree it's, to this point. It's amazing how both teams battle to try to make the other fan base feel better about themselves with bad things. I mean, I... I, get, I think both both fan bases are pretty realistic right now with where their teams are. Yeah. You know? But they still want to point out the warts of the other being no, the oh, rival. No doubt. Which is normal and natural. I'm not criticizing that. But that's that's where we are with both teams. Chad, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm ready to go. You, you, you won last night. You, you won softball. Yeah, Congratulations. It, you mentioned primary complaint, Hutton. And it's amazing how sometimes a primary complaint can be served up a week before. <laughs> three or four days before, and we just register it. We put it down in our phone, some with a newer iPhone, some with an iPhone 7, like I have. But you put it in the notes in there. This one actually still has the notes feature, which is great. And other times, you don't really have a complaint until you're driving to the show that day. That's oh. my tease. It just the universe always delivers a primary Does complaint. This have, oh, it has nothing to do with the ticket you were just telling me. No, about. no, no, no. Oh, okay. No matter what happens. And for those that know Chad, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with the ticket. No, no, <laughs> nothing. Too he bad. was not pulled over. You mean that arrest? You you, should, you got arrested on the way yeah. in, and that was. You remember the bell money I had to get together? Yeah, um, I, I thought you were going to complain about being incarcerated for <laughs> multiple years coming up. Uh, that would be a. That's when prim, <laughs> when primary when when uh, when being real goes wrong. That would yes. uh, be the one that would. But no, the universe always delivers a complaint for you. 
It delivered one for me on my way in today. And my complaint was not about last night, Hutton, because my softball team, the seven and eight year old team, I my coach, it. my daughter's team, got it done last night. Huge props. That was uh, the first game in a while where I exited the dugout for the post game speech, and it was just girls, great job. Everyone gave everybody a high five. Every single player got a helmet Victory sticker. Monday. It was terrific to watch because we were locked in throughout the game. Our outfielders were fielding the ball cleanly, getting it into second base. Our second baseman, my daughter, humble brag, was covering second and ready to get the ball in and turn around to tag someone if they're coming there. It was a great performance. Our pitcher caught three fly balls, caught a line drive, had a chance at double plays throughout the game. We fielded very well last night. We hit the ball better. Love it. We didn't score a ton of runs. We won five to three, but well, we beat one of the best teams in the league. Well, a team that you played week one, right? Team we played week one and lost thirteen to four. So this is kind of the Red Sox revenge I, tour. I told you right after that game, it, this feels like a, there will be a rematch later. Well, we lo- we and they all, will want nothing to the, do with you. It's the only game that we've lost that was out of hand. Every other game has been within you know maybe three or four runs of the worst. We lost by nine runs in our first game, and we got them back last night. Uh, great game, perfect weather, fall-like conditions for the game. First time I've worn long sleeves on the pitching mound. It was a lot of fun, and uh, kudos to, to our girls on the team. Plenty of football discussion coming up. Again, Bobby Carpenter, Dan Dockich, and we're going to discuss the teams that we're telling to GTFO already three weeks into the season. That's a bit later in today's show. It's going to be a fun exercise. We also have the Vegas Top 25, and we'll assess the SEC from that lens, where in Las Vegas, the, the, the odds makers, you sometimes wonder, what do they know that we don't know? And they have their own ranking through a, a paywall that Phil Still ha- has acquired. And they have their own rankings where we can see their top 25 compared to the AP top 25. We'll get into that later in the show. But let's start with a little Major League Baseball because Atlanta and New York, the Braves and Mets, are tied for first in the division as of right now. And they have a big series coming up. And there's a hurricane that's hit Florida that's headed in our direction through the south. And that will be in Atlanta as the Mets are scheduled to be in Atlanta. So on June 1st, the Mets were 10 and a half games up on the Braves in the NL East. They're now locked, tied atop the NL East. They each have one game left. The, the Mets play the Marlins tonight. The Braves play the Nationals. The Mets lost last night to the Marlins. Braves beat the Nationals, two of the worst teams in their division. So after this game, they have a, day, a mutual day off tomorrow. Major League Baseball has said they will not play the game a day early on that day off, the travel day for the Mets. So the options that are being floated out there, they're not seriously considering moving the game right now, physically, to another ballpark in another city. But trying to get a game in maybe on Friday or Saturday and then having a doubleheader on Sunday, they've talked about the option, which sounds kind of crazy to me, of playing a doubleheader on Sunday and then playing the third game of the series next Thursday, mm-hmm. which is the league day off before the playoffs. Because so, the regular season ends next Wednesday, and then the playoff, the, the three-game playoff series start that Friday. So there's a chance if, if it comes down to one game, if there one game separates the, the two teams, 
they could play that game on Thursday of next week. I'm eager to talk with Michael McHenry tomorrow about this, former Major League catcher, because as a player, I'd rather play at home on the off day where tomorrow it's going to be 74 degrees and sunny in Atlanta, Georgia. Friday and Saturday, over a 70% chance of thunderstorms and showers all day long, both days. So chances are you're not getting that in. I would much prefer playing at home in great conditions without having the day off instead of playing a, a, a double header to determine the number one option in the division and what has been a grind to get to number one and just get even with the Mets all year long to have it determined based on a double header to me not an ideal situation for either team no and, and Buck Showalter was funny he said uh, we're he jokingly said we're fully prepared for that triple header day <laughs> that we're going to play all three uh, games on so Sunday is this, is this this is completely up to Major League Baseball, or does the home team have some discretion here? It's a From what I read, it's Major League Baseball, their decision. I mean, they're going to keep the Braves and Mets in the loop on what they decide. Um, I, I'm guessing the Braves are saying, we want to play this thing at home. We feel yeah. like that's a big advantage for us, and this, this needs to be played at home, and you want the ticket revenue and all that too. I don't know what that looks like in a monsoon if games can't be played. But um, I really think the way this thing is going, if it's as bad as is predicted on Friday and Saturday, if they're not going to play on that Thursday, I think the best option would be play Thursday, both decide to not use their day off, right? play on Thursday, get one game in, Friday and Saturday off with all the rain, and play a doubleheader on Sunday. I think that's the best route to do it, because if not, you're probably going to end up playing a doubleheader either, either way, you're going to have to play a doubleheader on Sunday. The Braves would then go to Miami and play the Marlins for three. The Mets will play whoever they have on their schedule. Then they meet back up in Atlanta on one day and play that next Thursday to finish the series if, if, this, if the season's still in doubt. And well, then you go into the playoffs. Well, the playoffs begin October 7th, that's the Friday. Not, exactly. So, so you play Thursday yeah, and that, then you that's play what I'm the saying. Day, there is a the man, There is day. a league day off that they're considering forcing the two to play on. So then they would have the loser of that game. Let's say that's for the division. The loser would then have to go play on Friday to start their series, their playoff series, and they would be the home team because there's no way those, the other teams are catching them. They, they will have yeah. a home series with their records. But they're definitely not playing tomorrow. That, that is what I've read so far. That, I mean, that, that always could change. Because the Braves are in Washington now. Yeah, the Mets are at home against the Marlins. Okay. What do you think the Mets would want to do? I don't know. I mean, I, the Mets would probably want to play uh, a normal three-game series out of Atlanta. I mean, if they had their pick, they'd say, let's go play this at a ballpark not occupied, have Major League Baseball oversee it, and the Braves will be the home team for all well, three games, but we get to play in someone else's park without the Braves fans. I mean, have they been, and you would know better than me on, on watching the Braves and keeping up with this, have they been managing their pitching and their rotation based on this upcoming series coming up? Like, have they been planning for this three-game homestand against New York to where now it's out of whack and they're also considering a week from tomorrow playing that extra game? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that the because that's an extra game, and then you go into the postseason. So, what, yeah. who would you who would you throw that night? Because you've got to, you could potentially have a game two days later where you want to play your number one guy right to advance. I, again, uh, it, there's no good options right now other than other than play tomorrow. 
Or, I mean, if you just wanted to get three games in, go play in Philly or somewhere that's that's on the road this weekend. Yeah, but that's you, not going to be affected if, by. If, it. If, but see, that's where the but Mets the, Braves, the Mets would want that. Yeah, the Braves have sold this out. You know, they've got this homestand where they've got the home tickets sold. So I understand it from Major League Baseball's perspective. Major League Braves, everybody's got a different hand in this. Braves' perspective is we want these games in Atlanta. I don't care if it's played at 3 a.m. We want these games in Atlanta with the tickets we've sold being redeemed, even if it's rain issues, weather issues, whatever. Let's get these three games in Atlanta. I don't care the sequence of the games. I don't care if on one day it's a doubleheader. I don't care if we have to go to Miami and play three games, then come back and play the third, we want in Atlanta. Major League Baseball's perspective is, we really want to see this game on Sunday Night Baseball to decide the series. We'd love to get these three games in this weekend. We don't really care where the games play. Mets' perspective is, we would do anything to not be in Atlanta. Send us to Denver. We don't care. Again, I don't have the Major League Baseball schedule in front of me, but whoever's on the road, Mm -hmm. and whatever deal you could work out with that Major League park, let's go play there where weather's not going to affect it, and have nice weather on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and play three games to decide the NL East on a neutral field. That's what Major League ba- that's what the Mets would want. That's what Major League Baseball would want. The Braves wouldn't want, and I don't blame the Braves for wanting to find any way to keep this thing in Atlanta. Uh, the contingency plan for Tampa Bay and Kansas City, which is Sunday night football, is Minneapolis because the Vikings. I don't. Uh, they may be the home team this week. I'm not sure. They're playing in London Sunday morning in what is the 100th international game played overseas for or or just That's internationally amazing. for the NFL. Um, so that is the contingency plan. However, as of right now, and just refreshing the the NFL feed, they have not moved that game for Kansas City Tampa Bay on Sunday. They're going to try to get that game in. They have moved Florida. Florida's got a home game this weekend, and that the Gators are going to play on Sunday. Yeah, there's a number of um, college football teams that have already made the decision. South Carolina moved their game to Thursday night, uh, which seemed odd with where the storm is. But I guess on Saturday, that's where they're they're going to be getting that Atlanta rain on Saturday. So, so they went ahead and moved their game to Thursday night. So the games that we know uh, have have been impacted and moved. You've got East Carolina, South Florida. That's been moved from Tampa to Boca Raton. You have uh, the Gators who have moved from Saturday to Sunday to host Eastern Washington. They're just one of the top teams in FCS. You have, uh, let's see, Central Florida uh, also playing Sunday. They're hosting SMU. And then South Carolina State and South Carolina, they're moving it up from Saturday to Thursday. That's really intriguing. Based on, I mean, we're talking about pitching rotations. You have. You go from Saturday to now a short week where you play tomorrow. Well, that's also if South Carolina is playing um, Kentucky this week, just as an example, that's not happening. Well, they're yeah, playing yeah. South Carolina State, and they're thinking we're not really preparing for this team either way. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way and have an extra long week after that, and have a weekend, you know, to get ready for the next game. Whoever's up on their schedule next. So I think that was a much easier decision to move your FCS competition to a Thursday night. And it's another example of bussing in. It's a very easy trip for South Carolina State. Yep. It's relatively affordable, quote-unquote, for South Carolina compared to an FBS competitor 
because they're only playing they're only going to pay South Carolina State 500 grand for the game. So South Carolina comes in, gets half a million to play, and then they go home and have a long weekend to prepare for conference play, right? So that that's how they're looking at it too. Hey, go ahead and give us a check 3 days early. We'll take it and then peace out. Yeah, that was an easy one, I think, to decide on. Now, here's where it's going to get tricky. Florida State hosting Wake Forest. That is a huge game for the ACC. And Florida State is staying strong. They're saying, we can play this thing on Saturday. We're going to do it. We're not moving anything. Everything is all right. And I I have seen, we were watching before the show, some footage of Hurricane Ian, uh, and it's not good uh, in the Fort Myers area right now. So... I know Dave Clawson came out and said, we're going to do what makes sense and is safe for our players is what we need to be looking out for here. I don't think Wake Forest is in a big hurry to go play this game on Saturday. Well, in they're, Tala- want- they're wanting the game to be moved. In Tallahassee, Saturday, it's sunny and 85 degrees with a low of 59. No, no chance of rain, according to Google Weather. Meanwhile... We were looking at Atlanta. So it will be through by then, I guess is what they're saying. Their, their best chance of rain is tomorrow uh, through Friday, and then Saturday, 85 and sunny. So it doesn't look like Tallahassee is going to be affected. This is all, again, the, the weather patterns of the hurricane tend to confuse me because Gainesville is not all that far away, <laughs> and they had to move their game to Sunday. So it's not gonna, it's, there's not a day's difference in the weather between Tallahassee and Gainesville is my point. So then why did Florida have to feel they had to move their game? Well, Florida, so Sunday. on Friday, uh, Gainesville, you have 76% humidity along with a 60% chance of rain. Saturday in Gainesville, it's calling for 20% chance of rain and uh, sunny and 81 And they, they moved it to Sunday. So thinking that the, the weather could be slower than, than forecasted. Well, we'll see. I mean, it, it may work out where Florida State looks smart because there's no problem. On Saturday, and then Florida well, could be in a situation also, where Saturday's you, not bad, and they could have played you've it. Gotta, then. You've got to be able to secure travel and change a lot of plans. You have to make this decision days in advance, which is what Florida has done, and what Florida State's not willing to do. Right. So the game would be postponed; it would not be moved based on travel plans at this point for all the equipment and crew and staff, and I mean, just trying to get in or get out of town. I wonder uh, what Kansas City is going to do with uh, travel plans, just trying to get to Tampa right now. Because as of right now, the, the game's being played this weekend on Sunday Night Football with both teams coming off of a loss. Hit us up at Outkick360 on Twitter throughout the show. That's how you can interact with us. You can find us uh, on socials. Uh, you can join Chad in the chat uh, on YouTube. And, uh, of course, listen live, 2 to 5 Central, 3 to 6 Eastern on this great radio station. Coming up, Bobby Carpenter joined us. We flip gears. We'll talk the top college football headlines as we turn the page from September to October and we get into the heart of conference play. We'll start with SEC and Big Ten and then move out west. That's next with Bobby Carpenter on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
Among our weekly guests, our next guy may be our collective favorite. Maybe. Because that would be ranking Armando or Trey or John or anyone else for that matter below him. But he's, definitely, we, he's can, definitely not on a, a different shelf. Bobby Carpenter's with us. May I also say this about Bobby? I'm going to go ahead and just say he's our favorite. Because he's of our guest, he's definitely the one most likely to kick our ass. Well, but also... If we didn't say that. So, uh, Bobby, you're the absolute best, man. Great, uh, great work every well, week. Well, I mean, Chad, Chad Kittle is on. I think every one of our guests could kick my ass. So No, I don't um, know. I don't know about that. I, I, um, li- I like your odds with some. I'm not going to name names, Hutton, but I do like uh, okay. like your odds with yeah. some, for sure. Wow. Uh, if you're, if you think I could take Armando. I got you. Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, Bobby, uh, great to see you, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, doing uh, doing okay. We're doing the home renovation project right now. So like our house is just all falling in on top of us. Basically, we've had to get the floors finished. So when you have to take everything out of a room, I'm talking everything and there's not a piece, like an article of clothing, anything that you own in there, it has to go somewhere else in the house and you can only throw so much of it away. So behind my camera, my office is like overflowing. We've pushed my piano, our piano in here. We've got stuff in the basement. And so like college football is like Saturday is my escape. So I usually get to get out and like go hide somewhere and find a little open space. I love I, that you have a piano. I didn't know own, you were a pianist. Way. Yeah. Coach, there's a lot of things, man. My mom made sure that we weren't just like meatheads growing up. So while I pretend that I'm one, uh, she made sure that we took piano lessons from first grade to sixth grade. So I, I can still play a little bit. And now in like proper parenting form. I hated my mom every day. She made me do it. It'd be springtime. Kids are playing outside. Your basketball's bouncing, you know, playing sports. And I'd have to go in every day and practice for half an hour. And so, you know what I do? I do the same thing to my kids. And I tell them that it'll be worth it later in life. And I know they won't believe me, but it will at some point. And now I'm grateful for that. But I don't think it helps them at any point in the present because you just feel like you're just missing out on everything. Bobby Carpenter with us, uh, definitely the most loyal to our show because he's joined us from uh, a lake home. He's joined us uh, a, a night after uh, an epic party with Kenny Chesney, and he joins us while his home's under construction. Uh, let, let's hit the the college football headlines uh, and, and just go into our, a, a look at the weekend ahead, and we can tie in some of the finals from from the week prior. Arkansas falls to A&M, but now they're hosting Alabama. Bama, over the last year and a half, Bobby, they've kept games close because they make errors, uh, you know, uh, mental errors, um, things that are self-inflicted. It's been unusual, and they don't tend to, at least last year, they didn't improve from that uh, as the season progressed until it got to the SEC championship game. What do you make of this matchup, and does Arkansas's strengths match up to make this game close this weekend? Yeah, I think it does. I think uh, Texas kind of exposed some of the weaknesses a little bit of you know Alabama. And if you think about it, you know you look at Sark, coached under Saban, Sam Pittman, familiar as well, coached under him. Like he's going to have an idea of how to attack this team. And you know Arkansas, I think, is one of the more underrated teams in college football that no one's talking about because they're not the prettiest team in the world. Like they don't go out and score seventy points a game. They don't have this unbelievably high flying passing offense. They've got a big quarterback in Jefferson. They're going to pound the ball on you. You know, they do it in a multitude of ways and nobody, I think, embodies like their their region, their college more than Sam Pittman with you know who he is talking about drinking cold beer and just hanging out. 
And so like there's an endearing quality to him that their fan base loves. And my goodness, nothing broke my heart more than last week watching that ball hit the top of the upright and not go through because they played well enough to win that game. I don't, I wouldn't say that they're favored in this game. I think they're, I don't know, maybe seven to 10 point dogs, but I would say that they have a very good opportunity to win this. If they can control the football, if they can pound it on them, I think they can do a lot of things that Texas did and maybe even in a better manner. So I'm pretty excited about this. This would be a huge breakthrough for Arkansas if they're able to get this win. Uh, But Sam Pittman definitely has them headed in the right direction. Before we get into more games, we're going to preview for this upcoming weekend, Bobby. I did want to ask you because you know C.J. Stroud well. He is currently the Vegas favorite to win the Heisman. But Hendon Hooker leapt up in, in, in in the odds to win the Heisman this past week with his performance against Florida. I think he's now fourth, according to Vegas, most likely to win the Heisman. What do you think about Hendon Hooker and this Tennessee offense and the legitimacy of him being in the Heisman mix throughout the season? So coach, I've been, I've been hyping up your Vols all season long and what they've been able to do. I mean, Hypo has an awesome offense. They can go score the football on anyone. I mean, this was the big, one of the big hurdles for them to get over psychologically. They were better than Florida. But they just, I believe they're what, one in 17 in their last, one in 16, their last 17 matchups. So there was a psychological element that they were going to have to get over to ultimately win that game. And so they did. They've won the game. They came away from it. Here's the problem. Hinton Hooker is great. And I think he's going to be in the Heisman Trophy conversation. He's going to have three great opportunities. You start talking about their schedule and Tennessee's is maybe the toughest in the SEC this year. I mean, they play both Georgia and Alabama and they're going to have Kentucky. And so he's going to have three opportunities. I don't know if they necessarily need to win all three of those. If he can find a way to upset either Bama or Georgia and beat Kentucky and look good doing it, those are those Heisman moments on the big stages. And, you know, people, everyone watched Tennessee, Florida. I mean, that was a great game. But let's be honest. I mean, Tennessee, South Carolina, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, people aren't going to watch that on a national level. The three big games that he has left, those are going to draw the eyes of the country. And if they go out and put up 45 points in those games and he plays well and they can find a way to get one or two wins, I think he'll have a great opportunity to win it. I know it's not in the primetime window this weekend in the SEC on, on television, but I am way more interested in Ole Miss hosting Kentucky than I am even Arkansas and Alabama this weekend. Bobby, I wrote about it at OutKick, but I think the winner of this game can have a rightful claim right now to the third best team in the SEC. Tennessee's certainly in the mix for that at this point in the season, but the winner between Ole Miss and Kentucky can say, hey, we may be the team right behind Alabama and Georgia right now. What do you think of the matchup of these two programs? I think you're right on in saying that. If you look at that, especially with Kentucky, they're ranked in the top 10, and they'd also have beaten Florida earlier in the year. So they've got some momentum going. It's a huge game. And I don't know if there's two more contrasting styles as far as personalities with head coaches. You have Mark Stoops, who's the gritty guy from Kentucky, who's fighting his basketball coach about you know them being a basketball school and everything they've done. And then you've got cool offensive visor guy in Lane Kiffin on the other side who you know is the offensive guru, the genius, and looking really pretty out there. The irony is this year, you know, Ole Miss, since Matt Corral's been gone, you know, they've been pounding the football. They're averaging over 200, 230 yards on the ground, maybe 250. They've been running the football at an incredibly high rate, which they will have to do against Kentucky. But Kentucky, under Mark Stoops, they've got the defense. They're going to come out there and perform. And getting Rodriguez back this week, and if uh, Will Levis can play to the level that everybody thinks he is, this potential first-round draft pick, 
I think Kentucky's going to be able to win this. And I want to say Kentucky's a dog in this game, a small yes. one, which is is perfect for Mark Stoops. He loves the fact that nobody believes in him. We're at Kentucky. No one cares about us, but we're a damn good football team. So I love this matchup. It's going to be a fun one to watch. And I'm telling you, I think Kentucky, like that Kentucky-Tennessee game is going to be good. If they end up, depending on who wins that, I'm telling you, I think Kentucky-Georgia and November 18th could ultimately decide the SEC East. And you watch Kentucky give them a good game in the first half, as good as anyone did last year. They're a team on the rise. They're getting the running back back. You know, if Levis continues to play well, that defense keeps turning it on. I mean, I, I love Kentucky with where they're at in the East. And gentlemen, I think this might be the first year in some time where you could say the East and the SEC might be better than the West, especially when you start looking at the top three or top three teams there. Because I put Georgia, Tennessee, and Kentucky up against the top three in the West all day. It's all cyclical, other than Alabama being great under Nick Saban, which it just stays in the same cycle of never-ending, that the rest is all very cyclical. Two teams I want to ask about in different conferences, Bobby, that have been really pleasant surprises to me. Let's start in the Big 12 with Kansas. Hutton and I were shocked that they're not in the top 25 this week after a 4-0 start and wins over West Virginia at Houston and then an undefeated at the time Duke team. They host Iowa State this weekend. They're a three-point underdog. They're going to have another raucous environment, which is rare, in Lawrence, Kansas for football, but it's going to be another great atmosphere at home for that game. Their schedule, they're not going to be a favorite in any game the rest of the season when you look down their schedule. But how important would it be for a Kansas team to get ranked in the top 25 to win one more game over Iowa State this year? And what do you think about what Lance Leipold has accomplished just in year two now at Kansas? So to me, this even goes back to year one. And getting that win against Duke was great. You know, it was two undefeated teams. And yeah, it may not have been the two sexiest undefeated teams in the country, but it was a battle between undefeated teams. And there's not a ton remaining. But this journey for me with Kansas you know, goes all the way back uh, to last season. And the fact that they were able to beat Texas at the end of the year last year, I think that gave them immense momentum because you can talk about the process and doing it the right way, all these different things as a coach, but you have to have results at some point. Like they almost got it done against Oklahoma. They didn't, they pulled it out against Texas. And then I think you saw that confidence started to rise. And I believe they went and beat West Virginia on the road, if I'm not mistaken. Like I think West Virginia is a pretty darn good ball club this year. So this Kansas team with what uh, Lance has done with them has been tremendous. I hope they find a way to keep them. I guarantee you everybody in Lincoln, Nebraska is trying to give this guy a call. If they can beat Iowa State and go to 5-0, and like that'll be fantastic because that's going to virtually guarantee them a bowl, a bowl trip. And everybody can pick them as underdogs every week. They can put the line underneath them. No one's going to respect Kansas just due to the fact that the brand is not associated with big time college football. And it really hasn't been for years. And heck there were years. They were probably worst team in the FBS, but he has changed all that. They have a grittiness and a toughness and they are finding ways to win. The other one I want to ask you about Bobby in the big 10 Minnesota going into last week's game, they were number two in the nation in offense, number two in the nation in defense, a week schedule though, got a little tougher against Michigan state, but the game was not tough at all. They blew them out. What do you think about Minnesota and the big 10 West? So they were my dark horse to win the West. I thought Wisconsin would, but if they somehow faltered, I thought Minnesota was the next team up. And if you look at it, they've got Tanner Morgan coming back. I, 
I mean, I think Tanner Morgan played against me. I'll have to go back and look at my notes, <laughs> you know, his freshman year. But I think this is his 17th season. They got Muhammad Ibrahim back. They're a veteran team. They're an old club. A club last year, I believe, that won eight games. And no one really talked about it. And P.J. Fleck, like, he doesn't mind making it ugly. You know, they'll line up and run the ball, you know, 35 times to win a game if they have to. Like, they'll make it nasty. And he's got a lot of my old coach, Jim Trestle, on him. He G8 under him where, you know, they'll punt it. They'll play field position, you know, and they're like, they don't necessarily need to score a ton of points, although they have been. And they've been really good, but he has the solid defense. And here's the big thing, gentlemen. In their non-conference, they avoid crossovers with Ohio State and Michigan. They have Penn State on there. Uh, so that's going to be a little tough, but they get to avoid two of the big dogs on their schedule. And so that's a great opportunity for them to be able to find a way to get to 10, maybe 11 wins. Bobby Carpenter, our guest on Outkick 360. Oklahoma State visits Baylor. It's a rematch of the Big 12 championship game uh, from a year ago, which came down to the wire. This year, they're a combined six and one uh, as they go into this meeting. Who do you think wins and why? Gosh, it's it's tough. I mean, especially when you have a rematch, you know, from last year that was such a great game. And you've seen this Baylor team where, you know, I think they've kind of ebbed and flowed. They lose the BYU, people write them off, then they go get a couple big wins. Like they, they played that Iowa State game, like they played really well in it. You know, and Oklahoma State's rolling with Gundy. I mean, he's done a great job with them. I mean, he's got all the bravado and the angst now where Oklahoma's leaving, you know, they're banding us or banding Bedlam, and you know, it's us against the world. I mean, I ultimately think Baylor's a better team. I picked them to win the uh, Big 12 this year. I love Dave Aranda as a coach. I mean, he's about as the opposite of Mike Gundy as you're going to get personality-wise. Uh, but I just think Baylor's got too much. They're you know, a veteran squad. They won, the, won it last year. I think they've turned that in their mind to where, similar to Kansas, like, you know, they've had some ebbs and flows, and they've been better as of late. But no, for a long time, no one associated Baylor with high-quality college football. I mean, there was a point with Bryles, but outside of that, I mean, they've been up and down, a little bit of point with Rule, but they've never had that sustained success. And I think, you know, to be able to try to win two conference titles back-to-back would be something, you know, I don't know when the last time that's happened in Baylor history, but I like Baylor in this game. And I think that, you know, the difference is that defense with Dave Aranda. Uh, To the ACC, NC State has not looked good to start. Last year, they beat Clemson in double overtime in Raleigh. They have not won in Death Valley since 2002. They're 0-8 during that time span. If NC State, who has not looked good, wins on the road at Clemson, what does that tell you? So Here's the thing, guys. Uh, I'm hoping that game gets played. I'm not sure when it's going to get played, but I know that they've already moved South Carolina, South Carolina State, which obviously isn't the gravity of this game, to tomorrow night. So that's going to be Thursday. You've got the hurricane coming through. We'll see how that impacts the game. Here's the, Clemson looked really good offensively last week against Wake. And, you know, DJU looked to be pretty good. I mean, that's the best yep. I think we've seen him look as a quarterback. They were able to get the running game going a little bit. Um, you know, they let Wake back in the game. And Hartman, I think he exposed a little bit. We talked about this great Clemson defense. I don't know if they're as good in the back end as what everybody thought. So if you can't get pressure now, that might expose them and open them up. Uh, to some different uh, some some attacks down the field, which hopefully Leary will be able to take advantage of. I went and watched that ECU game a couple of weeks ago. I rewatched it. I mean, he was bad in that game. They didn't look co- coherent on offense. He's slowly gotten better. They haven't played as well as they had last season. But, you know, sometimes, you know, with expectations, you struggle a little bit. You just find ways to win. The fact that the last time they won in Death Valley was with Phillip Rivers as their quarterback – I mean, it seems like they should be about due. But Clemson found a way to win last week. 
NC State's been finding ways to win. I, I want to say NC State's going to be able to pull this thing out, but I just feel like there's too much, too much momentum with Clemson with how well that offense is playing. If they can't find a way to slow down DJ and stop that running game, like I don't know if you can outscore them. And that Wolfpack defense is they're much improved. They're a good squad, but I still think this probably comes down to a game similar to Wake Forest, like it was last week, and Clemson probably finds a way to pull it out. Who does the weather benefit if it's sloppy and rainy? This is a great question. Um, you know, NC, at Clemson, they seem to have gotten their running game going a little bit better against NC State. The fact is that you've got a quarterback that's as big as uh, DJ is. You know, I feel like you should be able to line up. And you know what? When you need hard yards, sloppy yards, he can be able to just plow ahead for two or three, four yards and move the chains. And if it's raining a lot, I don't think this will be a high-scoring game, which will then lead me to believe that Clemson's front seven, I think, will play a little bigger role in that. And when you've got a guy like DJ who's that big, I think that might be the difference. Miami's loss to Middle Tennessee on Saturday wasn't just a, a last-second field goal fluke. This was a, a – the middle was dominant on the road in South Beach. I'm stunned. I'm a huge fan of the Blue Raiders. I was stunned by that result. Where would that be on your meter, uh, your stunned meter, Bobby, when you saw the final score for Miami coming off the loss to A&M? You know, I, it's not crazy shocking. You know, I think they put a lot into that A&M game, game to try to win it, and that was a game that Jimbo really is a must-win for A&M. You know, so they end up pulling it out, and it's a fairly close game. Um, and so I, you have those letdowns. I think Miami, they're not quite there yet as a program where they have the talent athletes to where if they – aren't emotionally engaged and they feel a little bit let down and maybe didn't have the best week of practice can still go out there and beat a team in middle Tennessee state. That's highly motivated and has been playing some good football. And so, yeah, consequently, that's what it's going to look like. You're going to get, you're going to get beat up by a team who you might be more talented than, but they're going to dominate you on the field. And, you know, I watched it. I was amazed at how it kind of looks similar to you because it wasn't some situation where there was a lot of bad calls. It was fluky or something like that. It was just, pretty remarkable that they were able to get it done, but I wasn't overly surprised because I wasn't of the belief that Miami was a top 10 team this year anyway. Is it time for Georgia Tech to hire Deion Sanders and bring him back to Atlanta? You know, it was amazing because I think everybody believed that he was going to be up for that Florida State job with Norvell, but, you know, they've kind of eked their way into the top 25 and they've got a tough stretch, obviously, coming up here. Um, I think that'd be a good fit. I mean, Georgia Tech, it's located in, you know, urban Atlanta. You should be able to recruit to it. Their president seems like they want to win. When you, when you, you know, get rid of not only the head coach, but also the AD, I mean, that to me tells, says something like, hey, we're not doing a good enough job and it's not just the coach. You know, we need to find a way to be more competitive. We are bad right now. I think Dion would make perfect sense there. I think he would fit. I don't know if ultimately that's the way Georgia Tech would want to go and try to bring that attention, but he would have a big buzz in recruiting. He would have a good place to recruit to. And Georgia Tech has history of being good. It's just they've been bad lately. But you look through the 90s and early 2000s, I mean, that's a Georgia Tech team. You could argue that they have had two of the best you know, receivers, top 10 receivers in the last decade or last two decades with Calvin Johnson, Demarius Thomas coming out of there. Like They've had high-level NFL talent, and so they just have to find a way to kind of ignite that recruiting base, get people interested again. I know it's a Georgia a Bulldog state, but I think you can carve out a nice niche in Atlanta and you can find a way to recruit to it. And Deion Sanders might be that guy. 
Check out uh, Bobby with Jacob Hester on SiriusXM Channel 84. I always screw this up. Is it Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Is it Thursday, Friday? When are you on? They, they move. We move a little bit, but pretty consistently now. It's a Monday, Tuesday, Friday. Okay. There we go. We call it Meathead Radio because it's just a linebacker and fullback talking about running powers and ISOs and all that stuff. And it's great. And then, uh, of course, he's with us each Wednesday and uh, he's coming to a concert near you as well where you can buy him <laughs> a drink. Bobby, thank you, man. Hey, my pleasure, guys. There's Bobby Carpenter. Follow him on Twitter at bcarp3. The meathead that's also a concert-level pianist. Yes. Bobby Carpenter. We, we need Renaissance him, man. We need him to play his own intro music next week for us. I think we just go to him, and he just picks whatever selection he wants, and he just starts tickling the ivories <laughs> live on Outkick 360. I'm Dan Dockett joins us in 15 minutes, but before that, it's time to complain. Primary complaints next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Coming up, Dan Dockich. Dan the man. Dan Dockich joins us in nine minutes. Uh, we'll preview from his perspective, from the Indianapolis perspective, the uh, surveyor of all things Colts media. He will be with us uh, coming up to preview Titans Colts and a look at his perception of the NFL. But before we get there, it is time for primary complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for Primary Complaint on Outkick 360. Chad, my primary complaint this week is with college football and conferences fining teams for fans storming the field after a big win. Let me go into detail here. Texas Tech, unranked, at home, wins in overtime against Texas, a ranked opponent this past weekend. The Big 12 finds them $50,000, which a supporter, a booster, has stepped up to pay the fine on behalf of the bank that he runs. Who are, what's the deterrent if you're just finding a booster for a fan base storming the field? A game where uh, post game, yes, there was a, there was a, a Texas Tech fan that assaulted a Texas player. Arrest that person, find them and arrest them. But finding a team fifty grand, the deterrent of not doing it again doesn't stop any fan base from doing this in the future. In fact, any stadium in America this week could, weekend could storm the field. They could storm the Bastille. And there's not anything any of those security guys are going to do about it because you're paying them a very low wage and they're there to catch one streaker, not 50,000 storming the field. Get out of here with the 50 grand. That's my primary complaint. Totally agree with you. I'd also like to take this moment to thank Tennessee fans for not storming the field uh, as a higher ranked team against Florida this past weekend. So kudos to you. 
I've, I've long talked about pedestrians on the streets of America and their lack of urgency to get out of the way of moving vehicles. It's as if they think because they have the right of way, it provides them with some sort of invisible force field around their bodies that they would not be hurt if someone did not see them as they're crossing the road. You have to always assume that the car or the driver of the car is an idiot, much like I always assume that the person walking across the street is an idiot. Perfect example of this. Driving down a four-lane highway today on my way into work, it's probably 45, 50 mile per hour, maybe higher than that, speed limit on this highway. I look over as I'm going on the right side of the road, mind you, lawfully, and there's someone just hanging out in the turning lane, crossing the street, decided to get in the middle of the turning lane and just hang out and wait for cars to pass there. Absolutely no urgency to get across the road. If someone was going around a vehicle that was in front of them, put their left turning signal on and try to get in that lane, they would kill this person. And they have no concern in the world, just standing there in the middle of the road. Look, the whole thing about the pedestrian has the right of way, forget about that. Yes. You're a human being. These are machines <laughs> that are going at a high rate of speed that if they hit you, you will be seriously injured or killed. Use your brains. This is my primary complaint. Chad, I... I am right there with you, echoing this. I can't believe it when I see it. And they're just, there's, you look in their eyes, Hutton, and it's like they're just sitting on a grassy knoll enjoying a Sunday in the park. There's no, no concern no about just being in the middle of the road. If I'm in the middle of a road and there are cars whizzing past me on both ways, the, the look of concern on my face, you would see it right away. The other thing, too, on these, on these crosswalks here in Nashville, and I'm sure wherever you're listening, you've seen this. Whenever you stop the crosswalk for pedestrians, the pedestrians, a group of them, especially the bachelorettes here in town, will just stare at you. Like, are you going to go? I'm like, no, I'm waiting on you. You have the right of way. Take off. And then there's this stare down. And then whenever you start to go, they look disgusted because you dared to move in a crosswalk where they were about to walk. Imbeciles. All of them. Dan Dockett's not. He joins us next on Outkick 360. Don't add him. <laughs> 